0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, My name is Guthrie. I'm on staff here at Redeemer as part of our mobilization team. Uh, For those of you who haven't heard of that part of our staff before, Essentially, our team gets the joy and privilege of coming alongside members here at Redeemer and training and equipping them in how to share their faith and make disciples. And we get to do that here in Lubbock. Also, uh, we get to develop these folks to actually go to unreached people groups where there's little to no access to the gospel. And so, man, I'm just really thankful to be able to play a part of that and just really excited to be here with you guys this morning as we open up God's Word together. Well, over the last several weeks, uh, we have been moving through this Advent series looking at some of the extraordinary titles that we see of Jesus throughout the Bible. For those of you who are visiting with us this morning, or if you've missed a Sunday or two, here's just a brief recap of of where we've been over the last three weeks. Uh, We kicked off the series by looking at Jesus as the light of the world who came to push back darkness. And then in week two, we saw that Jesus is the king of kings who has all authority in our lives and who will one day return to rule and reign his perfect kingdom. And then last week, Kenan showed us from God's Word how Jesus is the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of all those who believe in Him. And so here we are. Uh, This brings us to our fourth and final week of our Advent series where we'll be looking at one final title of Jesus. And because of the great work of our creative team with the video and these awesome banners behind me, you guys probably know we're going to be looking at Emmanuel I have to be honest, when I first learned that I was going to get to preach on this particular title, man, I was pumped. And the reason for that is, is man, we see that the beauty and meaning of the three titles that that we have already looked at are ultimately found in the reality that God came to be with his people. So man, I'm excited to just go ahead. Let's jump in to God's word this morning together. If you have a Bible, would you go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1? looking at verses 18 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, you can feel free to just look, a, look on the screens alongside me here. Matthew 1:18 through 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord came to him in a dream saying Joseph son of david do not fear to take mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will bear a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins all this took place to fulfill what the lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Wow, what a scene are we getting to step into this morning. Man, can you imagine what Mary and Joseph might have been feeling in these newly engaged couple, all the plans that they had made just seemingly flipped upside down, and I'm sure thoughts of uncertainty, maybe even shame clouding their minds. It was no wonder why the angel started the conversation with Joseph off with the words do not fear. And I want to just recognize this morning that there may be some, uh, you may be here and you may be reading this for the first time and you're, you're seeing um, conceived by the Holy Spirit and virgin birth, and you're thinking, whoa, what's going on here? Man, this doesn't make any sense. But, but I, I would just ask, like, did you, would you consider, when we think about the reality that the God of the universe, the one who created heaven and earth, and the very first people, Adam and Eve, it is quite logical that he could step into humanity however he saw fit. And that's exactly what we're getting to encounter in God's word this morning, that he was going to take what seemed like chaos... And he was going to turn it into something simply amazing. As we saw in the text, we see that God is actually fulfilling a promise that he made to his people. A promise that he made over 700 years before this moment in Isaiah 7:14. And this is unfolding literally right before Mary and Joseph's eyes. I want us just to look again at this, at this promise that is fulfilled as it's quoted directly in verse 23. If you'll look with me there. In verse 23 it says, Behold... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, before we go any further this morning, man, I, I realize that there are probably a lot of things that are pulling at our thoughts and our attention this morning. Maybe it's a cram-packed Christmas calendar schedule. It could be the Star Wars movie uh, that you have or have not seen that came out this weekend. Or it could be the Cowboys game at 325 and you're wondering, man, are they going to turn the ship around against the Eagles? Like what, whatever it is, I want us just to pause for a second and let's let the weight and the wonder, of this reality that this promise that was made 700 years ago has literally been fulfilled. See, we don't worship a God who keeps his distance. He's not one to avoid, as Dusty put it two weeks ago, stepping into the mess that we've made. In our lives, in the world around us. We worship the one true God who, as we see here, came to us, all so that we might hear, know, and see him. In a world full of other religions that require man to helplessly and hopelessly strive to make their way to God, this is where the gospel is beautifully unique, even scandalous in the sense that God came down to us. And what's really stunning is we look back into the Old Testament we see that it has always been God's plan to be with his people. I can look back in Genesis and see how God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden before sin and how he was in the tabernacle with the Israelites as they wandered aimlessly through the wilderness or how he dwelt in the temple that Solomon had built. But as God continued to pursue his people with his presence, we see throughout scripture that their sin continued to separate them from him. But the beautiful thing is, is that God's plan has never changed. And so he set out on the ultimate rescue mission that we just read. He would send his son to save his people. And he would name him Jesus, which literally in the Hebrew translates Yahweh saves. For as we just saw in verse 21, where it says he would save his people from their sins. Man, what a beautiful gift that we have this morning. An invaluable gift for all of us here who have put our faith in Christ. And yet I would, I would say, and this may be your experience, that in the Bible Belt that we live in, we sometimes tend to just stop right there. I've heard it put this way. Rather than seeing our salvation as a starting point to our faith, oftentimes we treat it like the finish line. And that may be the case with many of us here this morning. It may be the case with you. Maybe you heard the gospel in a sermon, in a Bible study, over a cup of coffee with a friend who was sharing their testimony with you, And by God's grace, he showed you your sin and your need for Jesus, and you put your faith in him. And yet you look up this morning, maybe it's been months, maybe even years, and you can't seem to see much of a difference from then to the day you first believed, from today to the day you first believed. But here is the reality, though that may be the case, the reality of scripture, and the thing that we can't afford to miss this morning is this, that Jesus didn't come just to save us from our sins. He came to save us for a purpose. And as we get to continue to dive into God's word this morning, the cool thing is is that we will see how Jesus' presence with his people over 2,000 years ago makes it clear for us what his purpose is for us today. And so let's go ahead and look, if you would, with me in Luke chapter 2, where we see another account of Jesus' birth. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verses 10, we'll be looking at 10 and 11. For the angel of the Lord has just come to some ordinary shepherds outside of Bethlehem to make this awesome announcement. In Luke chapter 2, 10 through 11, it says this. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And such a common Christmas passage, and I hope uh, that you and your family and friends uh, read that over this holiday season. What I want us to focus on this morning, if you look with me in verse 11, is that the presence of Jesus with his people is what is literally ushering in their joy in verse 10. The sin that had once separated them from God would soon be defeated. This was, as the angels announced it rightly, good news. And it gets even better if you would look down with me in chapter 2 at the impact and result that it had on these ordinary shepherds' lives. In Luke 2.20, it says this, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Wow, what a beautiful picture of the gospel that we have in front of us this morning. Before Christ had even left the manger, he was ushering in joy into the ordinary lives of these shepherds. So much so that we see that they left praising and glorifying God for all that they had seen and heard. And this is the same God-glorifying joy that we see throughout the Bible. We see this in David's words in Psalm 1611 when he's praising God and he says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this is the same God-glorifying joy That is available to us this morning for all of us who have put our faith in jesus and he has given his spirit to us we have this same god glorifying joy available to us now this morning you may be just like these shepherds and you and your family um, all went to bed on time last night Um, everyone woke up this morning no one overslept everyone was in a good mood you had a peaceful breakfast you read your bible or your advent reading plan And you came in here just humming joy to the world this morning. Man, if that is you, man, just keep on humming to the glory of God. That's awesome. Uh, But for many of us, uh, the reality is is that we've limped in here this morning. Um, And we're all, if we're honest, pretty banged up. Even you guys that are humming. It could be um, something like a relationship, a marriage, or a family that Man, I don't know how it's happening, but we're holding it together on Sunday morning and making everything look perfect, but in reality, it's all but falling apart. Or it could be that you have anxiety in your job or in a situation that just has a grip on you, and, and literally, you just, can't, you just can't break loose. I have to, man, just share with you guys, this week, that last, that last point really hit home for me as I was preparing this sermon. And just to give you a little bit of a background, ever since I started following Jesus One of the things that's just given me a ton of joy has been to be able to get the opportunity to share, open up God's word and share it with other people. It could be um, in our home with our kiddos, in a small group Bible study, or in gatherings like this. And yet, I found myself over the last week or so as I was preparing the sermon, just feeling incredibly anxious. I don't know if it was Maybe just frustration with my lack of progress, which was the case at points, or if it was fear of failure, whatever it may be, the worst part of all of it was, is that that anxiousness was literally robbing me of the joy of doing something that I love to do. I can't help but think that that may be the case with some of us here this morning. Maybe you're walking through an anxious season, or maybe it's been a painful season uh, that you're in right now. Maybe you have lost someone this year that you desperately loved, or or maybe um, the Christmas season isn't really one that feels very joyful because you're spending most of it alone and you feel isolated, or maybe someone's hurt you that you've really trusted. It could be a lot of things. It could be that you came here this morning and you're just carrying um, a heavy burden of guilt and shame because of a sin struggle that for some reason you just can't seem to beat. Regardless of what it is, man, it just doesn't it seem so easy just to fix our eyes on our circumstances and completely miss the joy that Jesus saved us for. In all of these things, our hearts are echoing the words that King David spoke when he said in Psalms fifty one twelve this Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Well, we know from experience that we can't, in and of our own strength, solve all of our problems or beat all of our struggles, we've tried and we've failed, the beauty of this Advent season, brothers and sisters, is that we don't have to. Our Emmanuel, we know Jesus, came and he conquered the only real threat to your joy and to my joy, and that's sin. And the one thing, the only thing that could separate us from the joy of his presence, as Paul put it so clearly in Colossians 2, has been set aside and it's been nailed to the cross. And not only has he made a way for you and I to experience joy, but he's actually given us his spirit in us so that we can embrace it. Just as David asked in Psalms 51, 12 to be upheld with a willing spirit, let's consider this, that Christ's spirit in us is holding us up right now. And it's literally empowering us to remember what he's done for us on the cross. He's given us eyes to see through our circumstances and past our circumstances toward the hope that's to come. And he's allowed us to see sin for what it is, fleeting and dissatisfying and destructive to our lives, all so that we can embrace the joy of having him in our lives that he brings us. And as we begin to embrace this joy, it gets even better as we see that Christ's presence in us brings such a joy that we can't keep it to ourselves. We see this play out the very first night of Jesus' birth. Would you guys look back with me to Luke chapter 2? And this time we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 18. Now the shepherds, as we read earlier, have received this good news. And then we pick up in 15 and it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. We see here clearly that once these shepherds had stood in Jesus' presence, experienced the joy of being before him, that they couldn't help but immediately go, as we see in verse 17, and make known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. I love the simplicity of this passage. Man, what a mission strategy that we see here. They heard, they saw, and they shared. The one thing that I don't want us to miss this morning from this particular text is that this good news was not just meant for two newlyweds from Nazareth or from some shepherds working the night shift outside of Bethlehem. Now remember back to what we saw in Luke 2, 10 when we read that this was good news of great joy for all the people. I've heard a pastor say it this way and I think it really captures this moment well that we find the shepherds in that first night in Bethlehem. He said, the gospel came to you on its way to someone else. The gospel came to you and to me on its way to someone else. Yes, it's an invaluable gift that we've received but we see from the text that it was never meant for us to keep to ourselves. We were always meant to share it with someone else. And we see this throughout the Scripture. We see the same heart behind the Apostle John's words in 1 John 1 when he is describing his experience with Jesus. In 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4, this is what he writes. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, And as we see from this passage, once a person has experienced the joy of Jesus' presence in their life, there's only one proper response to share it. And the cool thing about this is is that this is not an obligation. We see um, in both the shepherds and with the apostle John here that this is not an obligation. The shepherds returned home praising and glorifying God. And then look at verse 4 from what we just read. It says, that the Apostle John is writing these things so that his joy might be complete. And so if this is the reality that we see throughout Scripture, that we're not only meant to receive the joy of Jesus' presence in our own life, but we're to share that good news with other people, and then when we actually share the good news, it increases our joy, it even completes our joy, and it gives God the glory, then the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what's stopping us? Now, at this point, you may be thinking, oh, man, this mission guy's up here three days before Christmas. What's he about to say? He's going to try to send me to an unreached people group, and I've got Christmas plans. Does he not know everything i got going on? Well, I get it. In light of all the things that you're thinking of right now, man, gifts that have to be wrapped, maybe even purchased, which probably need to get on that, food that has to be prepared, a house that has to be ready to receive guests, and everything else that we have on our plates you may be thinking, man, who would I even share the gospel with this week? Man, I would just suggest that we may not even have to look further than our own living rooms. For us parents in the room, man, what about our kiddos? The ones that God has given us, has blessed us with, that we disciple them and share the gospel with them every day. This one really um, connects with me, Stephanie, my wife. And I, when we had our oldest son Gavin, we had a baby dedication at the church um, that we used to go to before we moved to Lubbock. And I'll never forget being up in front of the church baby dedication, very similar to the ones that we have here at Redeemer. And our soft-spoken pastor, who we love so much, got up here and and he just laid it out for Stephanie and I. He said, "And God is calling you to teach and to show Gavin what it looks like to follow Jesus." Man, that that was very convicting. Because I began to realize that I wasn't actually following Jesus myself. But man, I'm so thankful for that moment because God was literally using it to stir my affections for him. Now you may not be a parent in the room this morning, but that may be the case for some of you who are here. Maybe you have been sitting in a seat in gatherings like this for quite some time. And what Jesus is simply calling you today is to step into a relationship with him. And how awesome would that be? We'd love Um, to talk with you about that. Find someone with a wooden name tag. We'd love to have that conversation with you this morning about what it might look like to follow Jesus with your life. Or it may not be kiddos. It could be that we share the gospel with the folks just sitting across the table from us over the next several days. And people are probably coming to your mind right now, maybe it's extended family, maybe it's a cousin, uncle, aunt, niece, nephew, grandparent, Or maybe it's not family, maybe you're a college student and and you're thinking of your roommate, your sorority sister, your fraternity brother, your neighbor, folks that you love so much that when you consider how far they are from God, you literally can't help but almost get choked up. The crazy thing is that we all probably experience is when it comes to sharing the hope that we have with those closest to us, rather than opening our mouths and speaking uh, the gospel, we tend to just look for excuses. Despite our joy of Jesus in our own lives and our knowledge that one day he will return to judge the world and all those who haven't put their faith in him, we still for some reason tend to neglect the very people that he's placed in our lives to reach. And as I'm just up here, I can think of a lot of reasons why that may be the case in my life and maybe in your life, and it could just be the busyness that we have in front of us, a packed schedule, or it could be something like the fear of an awkward conversation Maybe we don't want to be offensive. Or maybe we've tried before and and we've been been rejected by someone we love when we've shared the, the hope of Jesus with them. But regardless of the obstacles, brothers and sisters, regardless of the obstacles, this Christmas season is the best time to start. I want us just to consider for a second the culture and the context that God has positioned us in. While many around us may not put their faith in Jesus, most people recognize that this season has something to do with him. And so we have a natural bridge to conversations that we don't have the rest of the year. And we don't have to be Bible scholars or missions pastors or church staff to do this. It literally for you this morning could be something just as simple as picking up an Advent reading plan and reading through the next four days with your kiddos, pointing them to the hope of Jesus and to the real reason for this season. Or maybe you're in your home and on Christmas Day you open up God's word and you turn to Luke 2 and you read the story of Jesus' birth with all of your family. Or it could be that you're across the dinner table with friends and family and you share your story with them of how Jesus has radically changed your life. And just imagine with me for a moment what God might do if over the next four days we pursue the joy of leveraging little moments in spiritual uh, little moments and casual conversations for the sake of making the gospel known to those that we love. How awesome could that be in their hearts, in their minds, and our children, in our families, our friends? I know that as we wrap up this Advent series, man, we're going to be stepping into a lot of realities of life, probably before we even get out the door. And so I want us to reflect before we leave on what we've seen over these last four weeks and, and especially what we've looked at this morning. That as we step into these realities, we're not going to be stepping into them alone. That we worship a God who keeps his promises, will always be with us. And so we can rest and rely on him. And so I want us to look at two more. As you look with me in Matthew 28, verse 20. Here we see Jesus' last words to his disciples. He's lived a perfect life. He's died the death we deserve. He's been raised from the dead, and now he's commissioning them to do what might seem impossible, to go and make disciples of all nations. And before he leaves, he gives them this promise, a promise that he is making to us as well. He says at the end of Matthew twenty-eight twenty, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Brothers and sisters, he is telling us this morning to fix our eyes on this beautiful and powerful truth that he is with us. The same Emmanuel who came as a child fulfilling a promise made through Isaiah and brought joy into the world by conquering sin and death, it's the same Emmanuel who's given us his spirit and his promise to always be with us. And so whether it's fighting for joy or stepping out and sharing the gospel, we know that we never have to do that alone. But it gets even better as we look at what's to come. We have one more promise that he's made us, and we can see that in Revelations 21.3, where the Apostle John writes this. In Revelations 21.3, he says, "'And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "'Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. "'He will dwell with them, and they will be his people.'" And God himself will be with them as their God. Brothers and sisters, one day we will see him face to face. And we will experience the perfect joy of standing in his presence. And and so this morning we can celebrate and rejoice and know that he has and always will be our Emmanuel. Let's stand and I'll pray for us this morning. Father, we're so thankful that you're a God who keeps your promises, that you came just like you said you would, that you defeated death and that you made a way that we could experience joy and that you've called us into the privilege of sharing that joy um, with people around us. Father, I pray that your spirit would empower us to do all of these things, to um, embrace the joy and to share the gospel. And I pray that in all of this that we would glorify and honor you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.